This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 83-inch. On this week's episode, we continue our interview with John Bermuda Schwartz as he shares even more rare Weird Al clips and promos. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. How was your Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Small Business Saturday and Spatula Sunday and Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday and Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast Wednesday and Throwback Thursday and Freaky Friday and... Oh, you mean my black and white and weird all over Friday? It was great! I spent all day listening to the rare clips and promos that Bermuda brought with him on episode 82 inch. And I spent the whole day texting the new accordion emoji, available with the latest iOS update, to everyone I know. Yeah, I noticed. You sent it to me no less than 27 separate times. Oh, sorry. I don't know what got into me. I meant to send at least double that. What a great episode, episode 82 inch was. We are so excited to hear even more rare clips and promos with John Bermuda Schwartz later this episode. And a big thank you to Dr. Demento for joining us as a surprise secret guest at the end of episode 82 inch. His brand new album, First Century Dementia, the oldest novelty record of all time, was just released on Friday the 27th. You can pick up his brand new album right now and more at the drdemento.com store. And boy, is there more. There is some great Dr. Demento t-shirts, pins, a record slip mat, and a Dr. Demento face mask, and old favorites like bumper stickers, wooden planes, rulers, keychains, books, autographs. Plus, at DementedPunk.com, they just released their exclusive Weird Al Beat on the Brat enamel pin set. I just got my exclusive Weird Al Beat on the Brat enamel pin set in the mail this week. Me too! It's incredible! While you're at DementedPunk.com, be sure to check out their selection of exclusive Barnes & Barnes merchandise. Not only is there a new t-shirt and fish heads face masks, they are doing a promotion where, while supplies last, any orders for their holiday album Holidays in Lumania on CD or vinyl will include a free autographed fish head or Krampus holidays card personally signed by Art & Artie Barnes. Okay, just got my order in. And speaking of Dr. Demento, we just got some really cool gifts in the mail. Now, we already mentioned the Beat on the Brat pin, but there's also a brand new Wormios pin and a Dr. Demento button and sticker featuring the amazing art from the new album. Not only that, but we also got the Holidays in Lumania CD and the Krampus greeting card. But the gifts just kept on coming for Dave and I because we also got... Super amazingly cool Spatula City t-shirts and stickers from Spatula City Records in La Quinta, California. We will be sharing some of the new stickers with our Patreon family, but if you can't wait, head on over to SpatulaCityRecords.com for t-shirts, stickers, record tote bags, and, well, records. It was a real big mail week for us because we also received our Metal LCDs. It was so cool to listen and get to hear all the heavy metal covers of Weird Al songs. And we can confirm that Metal Al's cover of our official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast theme song appears as a bonus track at the end of the combo UH Death and Dare to be Metal CD. There are only a handful of his CDs available, so be sure to grab yours before it's too late. MetalL.BandCamp.com Let's see what's happening in Weird Al news. Star Wars fans may be familiar with the long-rumored Star Wars Detours animated spoof series by the Robot Chicken Team. For the first time ever, we finally got to see one of the episodes, and it featured none other than Weird Al! The episode leaked on the Star Wars Leaks subreddit, and Al shared the leaked episode on his various social media accounts. In the episode, 
Weird Al and Andy Richter team up as bounty hunters named Forlom and Zuckus. And I looked it up. Apparently, these are actual canon Star Wars characters. It's such a fun clip. You should definitely check it out on Weird Al's social media. And I really enjoyed the reference to Pulp Fiction at the beginning of the animation. Now, clearly, whoever leaked it heard our Pulp Fiction Burrito Burrito parody ad on last week's episode, episode 82 inch. And that reminded them that this clip existed and inspired them to leak it. This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla. Burrito Burrito, come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito. Find them at BurritoSquared.com and at Burrito Squared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burritoed. It's definitely not a coincidence. In other Weird Al news, Weird Al was interviewed by Rolling Stone magazine, and he was asked to share how his 2020 is going. Rolling Stone asked him about what album he listened to most in 2020, what he watched on TV, what books he read. You know, all the hard-hitting questions we would have asked Al if we had conducted the interview. Now, Al gives a lot of joke answers and surprisingly a couple actual serious answers. And the one that really caught me off guard was Al said a new hobby he picked up was gaming and that he's been killing demons and blowing things up on his PlayStation 3. I thought that was amazing, and now I have a new life goal. I need to play video games with Weird Al. And Al mentioned two of our favorite books of the year, Lily Hirsch's Weird Al Seriously and Bermuda's Black and White and Weird All Over. If you want to check out the interview, I'll share the link on his social media accounts. On last week's episode, we aired part one of our interview with John Bermuda Schwartz, featuring rare audio clips of Weird Al on the Dr. Demento show, and an early radio promo where Weird Al talks about the making of the Eat It music video. We know that you have been waiting in agony for the thrilling conclusion since last Wednesday. So without further ado, here is part two of our interview with Weird Al's drummer, archivist, and author of Black and White and Weird All Over, John Bermuda Schwartz. We join the interview already in progress. Now, while we're on the topic of, you know, Dr. Demento and, and these radio clips, you've sent us a couple of these really cool radio spots that have aired over the years for, for various different concerts and events. And i um, really excited to play this one. This is the earliest one from 1981. This Saturday, meet the weirdest of all. KRNA presents Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. This Saturday, meet the weirdest of all, Weird Al Yankovic. Your chance to get an autographed copy of Another One Rides the Bus. 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 Hey, hey. Meet Weird Al personally Saturday at 1 at the Record Bar in Cedar Rapids and at 4 p.m. at the Record Bar in Iowa City. Then at 5 p.m., Weird Al will ride the Canterbury double-decker bus around town. Another one ride the bus. And if that isn't enough, KRNA and Maxwell's presents Weird Al on stage, along with Patriot. Let's get weird with Weird Al Yankovic this Saturday on 93 KRNA. Ah, indeed. Where did you get this clip? Uh, prob- probably Al, I assume. Uh, I wasn't involved in that gig. No. Uh, that was something, uh, I think, uh, I think he went off, it was a, a maybe maybe Dr. Demento with him. I'm not, I, I'm not sure. What happened? He played at a place called Maxwell's, which was, which is now known as the Union Bar, and we came back and played Iowa City, uh, in '84 on the Eat It tour, and uh, but we played a different place. I think KR, KR, KRNA also sponsored that one, uh, mm. co-sponsored it, but uh, uh, we didn't play that venue again. So they mentioned an autographed copy of Another One Rides the Bus in this ad. Do you have any idea what exactly he was signing? Uh, it probably would have been the TK record, yeah, as opposed to the placebo EP. I think the TK record had just come out, and uh, oh, there's a story. There's a whole show about that too, <laughs> uh, about how that that record came about without Al's knowledge. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's another show. Well, we'll, you know, you fly me out, and we'll talk about that. Okay. Another time. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, it, uh, it it would have been it would have been the TK record. Uh, no, there weren't enough placebo EPs really to go around. Yeah, and I, I was assuming it wasn't the one from Europe. They must have just been signing the the sleeve, or no, it wouldn't have been that one either. Yeah, uh, no, it was a regular TK, you know. Which I'm I'm not sure, but might have been Al's. You know, another one rides the bus might have been the very last record that TK put out. Oh. That might have been the final nail in their coffin. <laughs> uh, 
you know, well, because KC and the Sunshine Band wasn't doing anything really, you know, record-wise anymore, and, and uh, TK folded, like, right around that time. I mean, that had to have been, like, one of the last things they put out. Wow. Well, I, I look forward to having you back to hear about it. <laughs> now, do you have any idea how many of these different radio spots there are? I mean, is there one for, like, pretty much every concert, every venue that you go to? Uh, very often, and, and I honestly, I didn't get copies of, of all of those very often. Um, you know, sometimes spots are cooked up, like for the tour, I mean, this was a, a one-off appearance by Al, the, the KRNA thing, but, you know, when there's a spot cooked up for the tour, uh, you know, there's like a, a, it's it's a produced spot, and then the local station puts their information over it. You know, they get sort of a script, and, and then there's a space where they can say, you know, coming to the, the you know, whatever, the, the Coliseum Auditorium, you know, on, on March 4th. And, you know, and then that just goes over an already produced spot. Uh, some stations, I think, produce their own spots. And I've got a couple of those. But, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't get a different one for each show that we did. But, you know, radio stations usually did help promote the shows. So, in, in that case, yes, they had spots. And uh, that would be interesting to hear the ones where they, where they made them up for themselves. Yeah. You know, where they produced it sure, on their yeah. own. Like, like KR, KRNA did for this. I mean, I've got a couple of them, you know, but not, not a whole lot. Is this the oldest one that you have in your collection? Uh, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I am just curious. I know you weren't at this signing, but did you accompany Al to any early signings? Not unless I was involved. Yeah. So so one of the first gigs I did with him was uh, Weird Wednesday. It was April Fool's Day, 1981. Hmm. And uh, it was just me and him. Just drums and accordion. Yeah. And we went to a place in, uh, we did a club in San Diego called, oh, God, Flanagan's. Flanagan's, yeah. Was in, uh, like, like near San Diego, Mission Valley or somewhere. And uh, and it was an April Fool's, you know, show or whatever. And it was just drums and accordion. And uh, I, I don't think I have a tape of that. You know, hopefully I don't. Uh, <laughs> that's... Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, that that was a little bit before. Well, no, that was right at the beginning. That was like my second gig with him. Um, wow. But I don't happen to have a tape of that. Sorry. And it, I'm probably good. I do have the flyer. And it was like a handwritten flyer that they had, you know, Xeroxed. Yeah. So it was on like, you know, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And they, you know, probably put them around at the supermarkets and on telephone poles and stuff like that. So I do have... Uh, you know, I do have a weird Wednesday flyer. Very cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we do have a couple more radio spots here, and this one is from 1996, the Bad Hair Tour. Let's take a listen to this one right now. Get ready to jam with the man who put the ool in cool. July 27th at Nautica Stage, the Bud Light Concert Series and Jamma 92.3 presents Weird Al Yankovic and his band. Presented by Bud Light and Jamma 92.3, the Bad Hair Tour. Don't miss the concert event of the millennium. Get tickets Friday at 10 a.m. at all Ticketmasters, Nautica Stage ticket office, the night of show, or charge by phone. From Milken Productions and Bud Light Nautica Stage. Make it up, Bud Light. That one is so hard to to hear, you know. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting. They call it the concert of the millennium, and it was still ninety six at that point. Wow. Well, that's that's good for almost a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The first thousand, or actually the se- the second thousand. Right. <laughs> that's that's wow. That's pretty heavy stuff. Wow. Take that, David Bowie. <laughs> and and Rolling Stones, with your millennium tour. Right. You're a little late with that, Mick. Oh, Sir Sir Mick, sorry. <laughs> so that was for a, a show in Cleveland, Ohio, and I noticed it did say the date was the 27th. Uh, July 27th, yeah. Well, we, we play, I mean, you know, we played on the 27th of, of, you know, we only had one shot at that per month. Right. But we played a lot of a lot of 27ths. I mean, a whole, whole bunch of them. Is there any special ritual that is different for a 27th show? No, <laughs> it's, it's much much like the twenty sixth, and, and not unlike the twenty eighth. So no, no, pretty much uh, no, no. Anything that sticks out in your mind about this concert back in Cleveland, Ohio, July nineteen ninety six? Well, like every time we played the Nautica stage, uh, there's there's a river behind us, 
and uh, and a bunch of people in their boats uh, congregate behind the stage. The stage is backed up on the river. I mean, it would be very easy to fall off into the water, I should add. Wow. And, and they wow. line up, and they get to hear the show for free. Now, they're not seeing much. Right. Uh, they're not seeing anything. But they, they line up out there, and they get their, their you know, they bring food and, you know, They'll get a boat with a bunch of people and a bunch of beer and drinks and stuff like that and go back there and party and basically have a, a concert, you know, an audio concert for nothing. Right. <laughs> so, you know, not not too bad of a deal. Then there's a big boat that, you know, goes up and down the river and it blows its horn all the time. Uh, but, but uh, no, you know what? The, the Nautica stage, what's cool about the Nautica stage is it's in an area of Cleveland called the Flats, uh, which is uh, just off downtown a little bit. And it's just, it's, it's right along the, the river. I mean, I, I don't want to call it the banks of the river, but it's just sort of, it's a flat area and it's got a bunch of um, eateries and shops and stuff like that. And then the Nautica stage is there like that. So I would very often, you know, whether I had friends there or, or not to go have a meal with, I would very often just leave the venue and, and go, uh, you know, walk a half a block or a block to a restaurant and go have some food. You know, there were some cool bars around there. I mean, it's a really neat, it's, you know, it's a very kind of a cool area. It's a, you know, a night, night spot, a cool. night area type place. And uh, so that's, that's what's cool about that. So after the show, you know, we might go to a bar or something like that that's close by. And, you know, so I remember that about, uh, about that area. I can't think of the last time we played down there. I don't think it was called the Nautica stage anymore, but I think we played there a couple of years ago. Mm. And uh, I probably, well, on, on the mandatory fun tour, I think we played there. And uh, a cool place. I mean, it's 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 a neat place. So I remember that. Very cool. I'm fascinated by the idea of listening to a concert while sitting on a boat. That's just that's a unique idea. Don't you dare, unless you send us like seventy nine dollars. I was I was gonna say, yeah, all those people they don't have to pay for their tickets. Imagine all the extra revenue you could have brought in. But if if they wanted to come in and buy a t shirt, if they wanted to come in and buy a t shirt, they still had to pay the admission. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's how you get them. Right. But then, but then when they want their T-shirt, then, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a very expensive T-shirt. They would have been smarter to stay on the boat. Yeah. And in, in no way am I suggesting that if you uh, get in a boat and get behind the stage, you're going to hear us play. I'm just saying, you know, people, people have done that. And it also depends on the venue because most of them, if, if you're behind the theater in a, a boat, you're not going to hear the show. Yeah. If they were sitting outside of a building, they wouldn't hear much at all. <laughs> There's not a lot of good spots to park your boat outside of uh, buildings in like downtown no. cities. And they'd still have to pay 79 or 89 bucks to get in and get a t-shirt. So, <laughs> right. you know, they're, they're, they're not going to win. They'd be smarter to just buy the ticket and sit in a nice seat and, you know, and be there with the fans and, you know, maybe Al will come sit on their lap or something for one more minute. And then they go buy a t-shirt on the way out. And, and, you know, then they can hop in their boat and, and go back to the flats or something. <laughs> Now, our next radio spot clip to listen to, this is from the Internet Leaks Tour, and I believe I was actually at this show. Let's check this one out. He sold more albums than any comedy act in history. I want to go with the gangsters, so far they all think I'm too wide. Weird Al Yankovic is coming live, a magical evening with the grand poobah of parents. July 5th of the Watertown Fairgrounds Arena. All hits, all nights, with three-time Grammy winner, Weird Al Yankovic. Get all the latest news and more at WeirdAl.com. July 5th at the Watertown Fairgrounds Arena. Weird Al Yankovic. Tickets at Big Apple Music, Golden's Pharmacy, AmpEntertainment.net are charged by phone at 888-512-SHOW. Gold Circle seating available. Don't miss Weird Al Yankovic Live. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Much more well-produced. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that, that the ad didn't work that well because we, we only had like they had only sold like 300 tickets to the show. Uh, I think we had oh, a lot wow. more than that, you know, once once the show hit. But it was pretty, uh, yeah. And that was in Watertown, New York. I don't even know where that's near. It's near Syracuse. Maybe an hour from Syracuse. Is it? Yeah, I drove up to that show, I yeah. remember. And it was oh. a great show. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, then you you were 301 tickets. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that ad is, is very interesting. I mean, I... 
Is this? Do you know if this was a, a station produced spot or one that was produced for the tour? Uh, I think that was probably the the station produced that. Because I I had never heard Al referred to as the Grand Pumbaa of parody. <laughs> well, that's I mean, why not? Oh yeah, I mean I've just, I've never heard that before. I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, Prince of Parody is is kind of you know that's, that's sort of cliche. You know, you expect to hear that. But... <laughs> The, the Grand Poobah of parody. Yeah. I love it. I like that. And who doesn't know, you know, great Grand Poobah hasn't been mentioned on TV since 1964, since the Flintstones went off the air, but who doesn't know what the Grand Poobah is? I mean, that's pretty cool. That's right. All right, well, Ethan was at that Watertown concert, but here's a concert that both Ethan and myself were at, and this one is in Schenectady, New York, back on September 17th, 2016. This is a radio spot for the Mandatory World Tour. Let's take a listen to it right now. Attention citizens, do not adjust your radio dial. This is not a test. Everybody shut up. Weird Al Yankovic, the return of the Mandatory World Tour. Proctors, Saturday, September 17th. Prepare for music. Humor. And a rapid deployment of mandatory fun. With aluminum foil. Tickets on sale now at proctors.org. Weird Al Yankovic, the Mandatory World Tour. Witness a musical and multimedia spectacle rarely experienced by mankind. Saturday, September 17th, Proctors. The Mandatory World Tour. It will be mandatory. It will be fun. It will rock your world. We now return you to your normal radio schedule. Now, something interesting about that one is that I was the one who ordered that spot. Wow, thank you. That's 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 a well-produced spot. That's also nicely done. Somebody somebody put some thought into that. I don't know if that was, if if there was a standard spot that was put out and you know, but that sounds like that was you know, yeah done by the station. Yeah. So I was working at that venue at the time in Schenectady, and I was overseeing the marketing for that show. And yeah, so it was a produced spot for the the whole tour, and you had the option of a fifteen-second a 30 second and a 60 second version. And then there were also the opportunity of doing a pre-sale meaning tickets are on sale at this point versus tickets are on sale now. And I didn't need all, all six options, but you know, as a weird Al collector and and (laughs) junior archivist, I ordered all of them. (laughs) So (laughs) you're welcome. Weird Al listeners. (laughs) Wait, wait, you said you, you worked at that theater? Yeah, I was doing the marketing for that show. So did you did you see the show for free? No, I, I think I actually bought my tickets because I wanted a good seat. <laughs> okay, because you could send me the 79 bucks now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting because I, you know, I worked at that venue for, uh, for a number of years and um, I did marketing for shows. And I remember one day getting the phone call from our programming director and she's like, uh, I'm at a conference right now, and this guy says Weird Al wants to come back to the Albany area, but they want to do a different city. Uh, what do you think? And I, I was like, do you need to ask me? <laughs> so, of course, uh, it was uh, a dream come true to get to do marketing for the show. And I've told this story on the podcast before, but literally anything that I could order, I did. Like um, when we produced the TV spots, um how it worked is you actually, there was a, a company, it was called Project Blackbird, and you had to tell them what you needed. So I filled out the order form and I literally checked every single thing. So I got six versions of the radio spot, six versions of the TV spot, and then I even had them burn it to a DVD and mail it to me, um, even though it was, you know, complete overkill for 2016. You can just email it, but um, <laughs> hey, I did it. So. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah, you know what? Because we had played, that's right, we played Albany the year before. Yeah, yeah, in the first leg, you guys were in Albany. Okay, then that's that's why we had to come back, play the area, but not necessarily in the city. Yep, yep, yeah. Or or may, it's, it's also possible that that venue was booked. We played the Palace Theater. Actually, we played the Palace Theater several times. Uh, and I know we were there in, in uh, 2015. And, yeah, either wasn't available or or 
you know, or it was like, well, let's get a little bit out of town. And because that's the only time we've ever played Schenectady was in 2016. Yeah. And, you know, I may be biased, but I think it's a great venue. So it was really cool to get to see you guys in a different venue for, for that area. Oh, well, thanks. You're sure you're paid, right? <laughs> you, you bought a ticket, right? Okay. Of course I did. I was just checking. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you. Something like that, that you order or that the venue has to order from some company somewhere, you know, they have, I'm guessing they have some kind of boiler template and they just talk over it. Like you had mentioned earlier, uh, who gets the final sign off on what clips, what, uh, what songs go into those clips and things like that? Is that something that's signed off by Al, or is that just something the promoter puts together? Well, I think I think that that in, if there's something that's sent out uh, from the agency, from the booking agency, for the use of the different promoters, uh, that is approved ultimately by Al. Just as you know, if they put together a poster and they send those out, and then the promoter just adds his theater and the date at the bottom of the poster. You know, those are, of course, approved by Al. Uh, you know, if, if a station or, or local promoter or the venue wants to cook up their own spot, uh, I don't think they run it by Al. I mean, that's something, you know, they, they have to live and die by that, you know, if, if it does or doesn't sell tickets. Uh, but the one that's, you know, the, the generic version, yeah, that would be approved by Al. Absolutely. So we have one last radio ad, and this is from the Ill-Advised Vanity Tour. Let's check this one out. It's coming, the live concert event that you may or may not have been waiting for. Weird Al Yankovic, without the costumes, props, and video screens, performing a bunch of obscure songs you barely remember. Nobody thought this was a good idea, but he's doing it anyway. Weird Al Yankovic, the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. With special guest Emo Phillips, on tour across North America in 2018. Tickets and tour information at weirdal.com. That's such a great spot. I love that. <laughs> so that would be the the you know an example of a completely generic uh, commercial, and somebody you know I mean that that really says it all. You know, you visit weirdal.com. Yeah. And you know, as we did, as I did many many years ago, I also got wierdal.com because I knew people were going to misspell it. <laughs> so to this day, you know, we we still pay for that domain, and you go to wierdal.com, <laughs> and it goes to weirdal.com. <laughs> so i i knew and not and honestly not because i thought someone would get the the misspelling and do something nefarious uh i i realized people were going to misspell it it's like you know what this can only help right you know it's worth 10 11 12 bucks a year you know to own that name and make sure that that uh you know even if you misspell that you still get there yeah. so that's yeah there you go so that was my idea <laughs> good this, idea spelling weird was my my idea <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I wish I, I wish I had uh, the night seventy nine bucks for that, but oh well. <laughs> Interestingly, this radio uh, spot mentions Emo Phillips, who was the opening act on that tour, and this was the first time that you had an opening act that was consistent throughout the whole tour. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, he was fine. I don't think he had ever. Well, I know he'd never been like on a tour like that where he was you know, out for three months, you know, where it was just, he would go out for a week or two and, and travel around a little bit, get, get driven around and, uh, you know, not in a bus, I don't believe, and certainly not with a bunch of other people. And, uh, I, you know, so it was a new experience for him. Uh, he, he stays up all night, whether he's on the bus or if he's sitting in a hotel, he's up all night. And, and that's just him, you know, after a show, you could expect him to be up until four in the morning. And writing, writing stuff. He tried to make every uh, show different, every uh, you know opening spot different. And we heard a lot of the same things. I mean, obviously we hear him every night, but you know we'd hear something new, you know. And he just he made sure, because he likes to keep it fresh, you know. Mm -hmm. Unlike us, actually on that tour we did a different <laughs> show every night as well. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, you know my my explanation for how we get away with doing exactly the same show you know 80 times on a on a tour without variation well you know people and and knowing that there's a lot of repeat fans that'll come to the shows well it's like if you like a movie you know you'll go see it you know 3 or 4 or 10 times you know you don't expect it to be different you know on the 10th time you see it you know you go to see it because you like it you like the what it is right you know and and you know the same reason you listen to an album you know you don't expect it to be different you know, when you give it another <laughs> listen. And, and in our case, you know, that's, that's certainly the case, you know, when we do a standard show, uh, you know, whereas it's a set, set list, 
is it's the same every night, and that's that's the beauty of that. You know, you don't go to a Broadway show expecting it to be different. You know, the next time you go, unless somebody forgets a line, right. you know, uh, and that <laughs> right. and that's happened. But I mean, that's not intentional. You know, for for us anyway. And to answer the question, does he does he talk like that all the time? A little bit. I mean, it's it's exaggerated <laughs> when he's on stage, but he 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 talks that way. Uh, he talks that way a little bit. Uh, oh, hello, John. How are you? You know, it's not quite as exaggerated as "Hello, John. How are you? It's nice to see you." You know, it's not. It's not that at all. Uh, he's he's somewhere. He's somewhere in between. No, he's and he's very funny. He's he's uh, you know he's not on all the time, but I mean he'll say some very funny stuff. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, it was it was cool. It was cool having him. Uh, out there, you know, and I know it was a new experience for him. And it was, you know what, it was a perfect fit uh, for the show. You know, whether or not the fans were really aware of him, you know, they they liked his routine. They liked his uh, act. They liked his part of the show. And uh, so I think that was a big success. You know, that was, uh, and it was cool for him. It certainly exposed him to a lot of new people as well. Yeah, it was, it was really fun getting to see Emo. You know, I, I saw, I think, 10 shows on that tour, and I did see a lot of repeats, but he is just so talented and so funny. It is like, you know, seeing the same Weird Al show over and over. It's it's still enjoyable to see him tell the jokes and see the reaction from people. So I, I, I definitely enjoyed that. I thought that was fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, we would we would uh, we'd watch him. We'd watch him from the side of the stage. Oh, yeah. A lot of times. <laughs> and and just to see oftentimes to see what he would do you know, differently. Right. And every night I think he introduced <laughs> at least one new thing. I mean, there was, you know, there were, there were certain tried and true, uh, lines yeah. about, uh, uh, about the, uh, what was it? The, uh, French existentialist seagull. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pourquoi? Pourquoi? <laughs> you know, that, that was pretty much every night. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. we would we would we would mouth that along with yeah. him because you know we we knew that was coming. Oh, that's so great! <laughs> One thing I noticed about this spot that's different than all the other ones is there's no actual Al songs in the spot. Do you have any idea what the music was that they used for this? I no. Wow. I you know what I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can get out Shazam and we can yeah. find out. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I yeah, I honestly I I have no idea. Do you know of any other tours that did this or is this kind of a one-off thing? I would say it's a one-off thing. I can't I can't remember another one that uh you know, like the mandatory fun one had word crimes in it and tacky and stuff. Right. Uh yeah, I I don't know. That's you know what? It hadn't even occurred to me. Um I I don't know. I can go back and listen to the the handful of spots that I have and and see if I find out we'll do another show. About about that one spot. It'll be it'll be a short show, but we'll you know I'll I'll try and get an answer. All right, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that's three shows you're coming back for. We we have it in in uh, <laughs> audio record. <laughs> All right, well we're gonna transition away from the radio spots, and we're gonna talk a little bit about a TV spot that Al did, and this is a one of many different variations of this song he did for the Sundance TV. Uh, channel. So let's take a listen to one of them right now. So many great shows and movies on Sundance TV. But where can you find it? Just listen to me. That song is so that great. That was fast. Yeah. Don't blink. Yeah. Wow. No, the story on that now was uh, we did uh, four versions of that. Now, another here's another secret, another industry secret. We didn't record the song four times. <laughs> we recorded the song one time, and we dropped in us going, you know, 126. You know, or another, another one was 557. <laughs> and there was that we did it, it was it was for four channels four different cable channels you know 735 and then the other one was 1798 and uh so we would just you know we would 
shout those and then those would get dropped into you know basically the track and then that became another version of that depending who was running it right uh de- you know depending uh you know which which uh channel was on what cable system and so this is one that the whole band performed on uh yeah me jim steve i think al played piano i don't recall ruben being in on that um uh, and we did that at the end of 2015 hmm. so actually that was at, uh that was between uh, the legs of, uh, not between the legs, but between the, the tour, uh, two <laughs> mandatory fun tours. No, technically, not technically a tour is called, you know, when you're out for a while, it's called a leg, you know, or a portion of, of, of the length of a tour is called a leg. So there was the 2015 leg and there's a 2016 leg of the mandatory fun tour or the mandatory <laughs> world tour. Uh, if, if you're, you know, if, if you prefer, um, uh, so that was done somewhere in the middle of that, I guess, you know, with a number one album and a big tour, Al was a hot property. So Sundance wanted to get him to do uh, those promos. So there you go. So what's really interesting, um, and I don't think we've ever told this story on the podcast before, but this uh, series of Sundance TV spots was part of an inspiration for our theme song for the podcast, our official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast theme song. When Ethan and I were throwing out ideas for the song, we knew we wanted something with a very loud, heavy metal type of feel to it. So when we were tossing ideas around, we immediately thought of this commercial and we sent that to the Grammy-nominated Jim Kimo West as inspiration to help us write our theme song. Well, I would have just sent you the music and you guys could have gone, Dave and Ethan, and just dropped that in and, and saved, saved Jim the trouble and, and you wouldn't have had to pay him the 50 bucks. Oh, well, ne- next time. We may take you up on that, Bermuda. It's not too late. <laughs> I wonder if we can get our money back. Yeah, and if you don't think I have the tracks to these, you're you're barking up the wrong archivist here. <laughs> You did send us an interesting clip that goes with this, so let's check this one out. 557! 557! <laughs> yeah, that would be us doing five, 557. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was there an original take, like an original number that you guys said, and then the other ones were, were plugged in? No, I, I think, I, well, we, we did the music first, so all of the vocals would have been done after anyway. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, I don't I don't know in what order they went. Okay. <laughs> but there are I have I have the full versions of each of those and I have us just doing, you know, five fifty seven, you know, seven thirty five. You know, I have those all split out as well. <laughs> of, of course. Of course I do. So the next clip that we have is a jingle from K Rock, the Kevin and Bean show. Let's take a listen to that one right now. <laughs> Every morning, Kevin and Bean will make you feel all right. We tried to write a theme song, but the lyrics really bite. Too bad, because we really like that line about Vaseline. On K-R-O-Q. Hey! (laughs) I've never heard that before. (laughs) Neither have I. Now, unless you were in Los Angeles and and listened to K-Rock, you would not have heard that. Right, right. Uh, Al was... was, uh, uh, a semi-frequent guest on the show, usually for an interview and, and stuff like that, yeah. and, and was very well liked by Kevin and Bean, and and they were sort of, you know, the alternative morning zoo guys here in L.A. So that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just some wackiness from that morning. <laughs> that is awesome. Now, do you have a time frame on that clip when that when that's from? That's uh, from 1991, is all I know. Mm. Oh, okay. Did he do a series of them for K-Rock, or was that just uh, you know a one-off random thing? Well, I think that was a one-off, and it may have... It, uh, actually, I don't know if he would have been in there to do an interview, because there wasn't really anything happening at the time. Um, so I don't know if he just came in to be wacky, or if that was you know from another time, or, or what that was. But that's the only one that I've got that's like that. I would have to assume it's pretty rare for Al to do like a, a personalized song for... Uh, a radio show so he must have really liked those guys yeah well k-rock was you know they played a lot of his stuff early on and uh you know he's i mean they were the first uh i guess they're mainstream station to to play his stuff in la Hmm. you know if you didn't hear it on dr demento you know you might hear it on k-rock but you didn't hear it on any of the other stations until the album started coming out and then that was a different story right but they played you know his his demos and stuff like that i mean they played early stuff and uh, 
you know, it was, it was very, very cool. So he was well-liked by them, and he, he certainly, you know, they, they helped promote him at a time when nobody else was really on board. Mm -hmm. That's great. And what's interesting for collectors is that there's actually a Weird Al song, Christmas at Ground Zero, on one of the Kevin and Beans compilation albums, Kevin and Beans' Last Christmas from 1999. So there's something for you collectors to go out and find as well. Ooh, on 8-track as well. No, 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 just kidding. <laughs> I think that one's only on CD. Oh, okay, yeah. Now, we have one final clip that you shared with us, Bermuda, and this one is pretty stinking majestic. I will just play it, and then we'll chat about it after. So hey cool. Harvey. <laughs> so that is that's basically the demo so that Al would know what was coming. Like there wasn't already, you know, orchestral parts on on the original song, but that was, you know, the part that came from uh the guy who scored a bunch of the charts for the 2019 tour. Mm -hmm. And that was that was and so that was just, you know, that wasn't the orchestra, that was just a keyboard demo of what he could expect to hear. Um uh, and that was orchestrated by Scott O'Neill. And Scott was was the conductor for uh, the uh, Colorado Symphony, and he conducted the show at Red Rocks when we were there. That's the only show he conducted. So he was working from his own charts, uh, and and then also some charts that were done at the Hollywood Bowl a couple right, of years right. before. But he orchestrated everything new for the uh, Strings Attached tour. So he got to conduct that show for basically his orchestra played that show, and uh, that was a particularly good show as well what's interesting is it's the one show where the orchestra didn't get to rehearse because it's an it's an outdoor venue and it was uh thundering and they were you know because it's it's outdoors and there's microphones and there's lights and stuff like that it's not a covered stage really uh they had to call the rehearsal so he didn't get to go through he didn't get to hear all of our stuff and and re, you know we went through like five songs and again, you know, he had written some of these things, and, and I assume he had a copy of the show, but he really, he hadn't gone through all the motions with the orchestra yet. And I sat down with him, uh, and uh, along with Hawkeye, and we took about an hour and maybe 90 minutes, and we went through the entire show, the entire score. The order had changed from what he was aware of back oh. in the beginning. Uh, and, uh you know, we, we went through and we explained a lot of things that he didn't get to rehearse that, that you know, so he wouldn't be surprised, you know, and, and it's a good thing we, we did because there would have been a lot of, it could have been a train wreck, <laughs> you know, if, if the orchestra, you know, well, not the orchestra, but if he didn't know what the band was doing, because the orchestra follows him, that's not a problem, but he has to know what we're doing. And, and that was, he really didn't get a chance to work with us, you know, the way Arnie and, and uh, Eric Roth had, had done, you know, who conducted all the other shows on the tours, right. on that tour. You know, they, once they knew the show, that was the show, you know, and they knew all of our stuff. They knew our cues. And so I had to explain to uh, Scott, I said, you know, this is, this is one where, you know, we're going to watch Jim for the ending. He cues the ending on this song, you know, so you got to, you're going to have to turn your head around and, and, you know, when he goes, you, you bring your arms down and the orchestra will follow you. Or on this song, I cue the ending. Or on this song, Al jumps up in the air and when he hits the deck, he, that's the ending. Or... <laughs> You know, or or you cue the ending. We turn around and look at you on this song because you 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 hold the orchestra, and then now we're waiting for your cue. So none of that had been given to him before, and again, we didn't have a chance to go through it with him. So uh, happily, I don't know if Al ever was aware, but I sat down with him because I knew it was going to be a train wreck if if he didn't know what we were doing and and we didn't know what he was doing. So I sat down, and Hawkeye sat down. You know, in case there was stuff going on that I wasn't aware of. Mm. And we went page by page, and uh, and it was actually it was a great concert, and that was a great orchestra as well. So that's uh, that's what that little bit was, just to show Al what the uh, what the parts would be, so that he wasn't surprised, you know, at the first uh, show. Now, were the demos anything that you and the other guys would listen to, or was that strictly for Al? Well, that was for Al to know what was coming. I mean, he Al sends me copies of all this stuff. Uh, so I knew what they were going to sound like, but I mean, that, that honestly, that really wasn't important. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know if you told us or if someone else had told us in the past that 
the band didn't really get to hear the orchestra or, or you guys purposely didn't hear the orchestra. Well, we didn't on, on stage, you know, there's enough going on just with us and it wasn't always to our advantage to hear the orchestra. There were some times we needed to hear the orchestra, but not very often. And, and that's not, I'm not, not to diss the orchestras that we played with because, you know, most of them were great and I'm aware of what they were playing, but they weren't, they, they, for the most part, weren't in my mix because that's not what I was listening to. Right. You know, they're, they were playing, with or to us as a band, and in some cases I was playing to to a track, you know, so the video was in sync with what we were playing, and that's what I have to listen to. Right. So, you know, in, in order, you know, sometimes a mix is is very much a need to know, you know, it, it, having more stuff in a mix, you know, for the people that are playing it is not an advantage. You know, we don't need to hear a perfectly mixed show. That doesn't help us play our parts. Uh, you know, the, the vocal, vocal, you know, Al wants to hear more of his voice than he does, you know, the, the, the oboes, you know, for example. <laughs> and I want to hear more of, more of the track and more of my drums than I do the orchestra or even Al's vocal. I mean, you know, I, I have some of that stuff, but, you know, so we're very selective about our mixes. And in my case, no, I did not have, actually for most of us, we didn't have the orchestra in our mixes. But as far as, you know, I mean, we were aware what they were, it's not like we couldn't right, hear right, them, right. but they weren't, you know, we weren't, we weren't playing to them. You know, we were, the connection between, honestly, the connection between the conductor and between the orchestra and the band and was between the conductor and me. Uh, he, that's why, you know, I, he was positioned to my left, you know, and he and I would, uh, would keep eye contact. I mean, obviously we, you know, he would hear me, but I mean, he would watch me for cues and assuming that the band followed me and the orchestra followed him and that he and I were together, it all worked out. And, and I think nine times out of 10, it did. It was really rare that we had an orchestra that wasn't, you know, up to snuff. Maybe they were 98% instead of a hundred percent. So they were all pretty good, but you know, getting back to the Colorado symphony, the, the national symphony in, in Wolf Trap, you know, yeah. in, in Virginia uh, was, a, was an excellent, you know, organization, you know, some, some of these groups are really quite, uh, quite good. And Colorado Symphony with their own conductor conducting, uh, was very cool. So, but I, I, I must, you know, take credit for getting him through that show, uh, in a way that he couldn't have done without a re- you know, without someone sitting down with him. Cause there was no rehearsal for that. I think we got through five songs and it's like, Hey, you guys got to leave the stage. Wow. And it's like, we, he doesn't, he doesn't have the cues. Yeah. I bet he's right. You know, I need Scott. I need to talk to you. Please bring bring your score and and let's go through the show, and and that's that's how we pulled that show off. Very cool. and that was a very good show. It was there were nine thousand nine thousand <laughs> fans, stark raving fans at that show, and uh, that was uh, that was a good show. So that's so that little piece that Harvey the Wonder Hamster. That's to have let Al know in advance of the tour what the orchestra was going to be up to, you know, and what they were doing. And again, with, with Harvey, I mean, it was a marching band kind of song, but, you know, and there were horns in this piece, but there were also strings and other stuff like that. And, and that's, you know, that's what those things were scored for. And, and again, that was one of many demos. And I have all the Hollywood Bowl demos also that were sent, you know, done on a keyboard sent to Al so he would know what they were up to when it came time to the show. Well, thank you for sitting down with Scott O'Neill and doing that because both Ethan and myself were at the show at the Red Rocks Amphitheater and it was probably my favorite show on the tour. So thank you for doing that. It was great. <laughs> well, thank you. I Was I aware that you guys, did I see you guys there? Was I aware that you were there? <laughs> you didn't see us in the 9,000 people that were there? <laughs> you couldn't that, see us? <laughs> I, I, I was waving I, to you I the forgot. entire time. Well, I, I forgot. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'll give you your 79 bucks back. Yes. <laughs> and for our listeners who want to hear a little bit more about all the orchestration that went into all the different songs on the Strings Attached tour, we actually talked to Scott O'Neill back on episode 5 Inch, and you can listen to that episode back on our website, weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. Woohoo! And Bermuda, I had another question about some of these instrumental demos is there an equivalent when you guys are getting ready to record an album where you know there's an instrumental that you guys put together before you actually go in the studio well generally there's it's a three-step process uh al will will record something for us and over the years they've become very sophisticated recordings i might add uh but he'll he'll record something so that we know what he's doing and then we'll get together and uh 
rehearse it a little bit. Now, these are for the originals. The, the parodies, we don't need to right. rehearse or, or any of that because we know what we're doing. Uh, we, we, we have that roadmap already. But for the originals, you know, we'll rehearse based on what Al has given us. And, and, you know, we'll have some direction. He'll make some specific suggestions once he hears us playing it as a band. And then we'll record a demo as a band with vocals. And, and you know, we'll record a, a proper song, you know, something that would have rivaled any of Al's early recordings back in the day. And, uh, and then we can all kind of chew on that a little bit before it's time to go into the studio. And by the time we're in the studio, you know, we may have another note or two, a verbal note or two from Al. And which may or may not require us actually going through it in the studio. We may, you know, it's like here on, on this thing, we're changing, you know, we're taking out a bar or we're repeating this or whatever. We don't really have to rehearse that. We know what that means. Right. So very often we'll go in and then, so that's the third time that song will exist is once we do it in the studio then. So there's the Al demo, there's the band demo with Al, and then there's the studio version. So for a lot of things, for a lot of the, the albums most recently, uh, there could actually be counterpart albums of Al's demos of the song and then an album of the band demos of the song in addition to the actual wow. final recordings. Wow. And I think in, in some cases you would find that the band demos are quite uh, quite good uh, quite uh, and, and some interesting little changes in them. I mean, some of the demos have, have a certain charm, you know, uh, before they get too polished in the studio. And I'm not, I'm not saying that things can be over-polished in the studio. I'm just saying that, you know, we've we got to be 100% in the studio. On the demo, we can be 99%. Right. And, and uh, you know, those little kind of differences, those little nuances, you know, are, are sort of cool sometimes. Maybe it's a vocal inflection that, that Al, you know, does one way, and then by the time it gets to the uh, the studio version, you know, it's it's slightly different. You know, maybe he, he's thought about it, or maybe it's something he just happened to sing differently on one take, and he likes it, right. you know, and then it became that. So, so there are, yes, there are Al and band demos for a lot of the original songs that are out there. And has Al ever changed lyrics between them, or is it usually pretty consistent through that process? Yes, he has. He has. He's changed lyrics uh, from time to time. Uh, sometimes what'll happen, I think, in in one case, and I've forgotten the song, but there was somebody named in the song in the demo, and then by the time we were getting ready to record it in the studio, he had passed away. So Al didn't want to put him in there. Oh, wow. There's sometimes where Al will, will have a choice of, of. Uh, so I've got a demo of him singing the original lyrics. In some cases, I'd have to figure out what songs those are. Uh, there are sometimes where, you know, Al will, and and this will often be done, often be done before the band gets to demo a song, but will be, uh, you know, Al will think about a line or or a couple of lines in a song, and uh, wonder if, if maybe have an alternate line you know, that he thinks of afterwards, and he'll run that by a couple of us and say, which line do you like better? You like this or you like this? And so there may be a difference between Al's demo and the band demo, hmm. you know, uh, in, in some cases. But usually the band demo is very close uh, to, to the final version. I mean, it's a lot closer than Al's demo to the band demo. Right. But Al got to a point where he was putting drum machine tracks on. I mean, you know, it wasn't just sort of a instrumental thing with a vocal so we'd know what we were doing it's he would make very complete demos on his own and then we would flesh them out oh cool uh and uh and then in the studio you know that was like the, the final thing so yeah there's in a lot of cases for the original songs there are two other uh recorded versions of them and now i have to ask is there any songs that made it to the band demo that never actually went to the studio i don't think we we got to the demo stage on certain things, but we we had rehearsed things, like there is a full version of Chicken Pot Pie. Oh, uh, that that oh. Uh, you know we were that we rehearsed, and I I have recordings of course. Of course. And uh, and so there are lyrics to an entire version of Chicken Pot Pie, but in between that sort of getting ready to to think about that, you know, and again it was odd that we rehearsed a parody. But we just, we had done it just, you know, to, to do it. So we would sort of be ready. And then permission was not forthcoming, as it turned out. So uh, I wouldn't call that a demo. But in that case, yes, we did rehearse something that, that was not to be. We rehearsed the U2 polka, which was a, a medley of U2 songs in a polka. Wow. wow. And I have a, re a recording of us rehearsing that. You know, polkas we rehearsed. And uh, that didn't get... Uh, that never happened. That never got uh, 
We didn't really demo polkas. Al would demo a polka, but only so we would know what we were supposed to do. But that wasn't the demo stage yet. Now, of course, I have a recording of that. It's not, it's, it's pretty rough. It's us literally going through it for the first time. Yeah. Wow, that's so uh, cool. But uh, interesting, you know, someday, and, and, you know, with Al's permission, of course, you know, someday some of this stuff might uh, come out. You never know. Well, Al, if you're listening, give that permission. <laughs> that would be awesome to hear. <laughs> yeah, come on, Al. You know I can find this stuff in a heartbeat. Come on. That is very cool. The listeners of Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast want to hear those demos. Yes. So come on, Al. <laughs> Well, there was the one song that the demo, I think Al's demo came out for the Word Crimes parody. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and he did that specifically uh, for the video, for, for the guy, and I forget his name, sorry, but I, I uh, for the guy that did the video. Jared Heather. Yeah, 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 yeah. Specifically so he could, he would have a video to work with. So he, he would have the lyrics and the timing and all of that stuff. So yes, that, I'm surprised that got out. I'll let that out, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And that's. I mean that you know that's that was a demo. I think that was the he had an instrumental of uh, blurred lines, mm -hmm. and uh, and then sang the lyrics over that. I mean, there's really not anything, you know, super you know secret in that, right? You know, but it is a different version. I mean, that's unusual. That's actually what we got accused of doing a few times is taking the original track and just singing over it. You know, which is a, a nice compliment, right? Really, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, because you guys really you change up the song it's 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 really not note for note in the parody you guys you know add different elements to it and change up the timings and shorten or lengthen sometimes yeah so sometimes yeah there's some, some sometimes there's a tempo change sometimes there's an arrangement change there may be a key change uh sometimes an accordion solo is put in where there wasn't one on the original you know whatever uh you know, on, on Stop Dragging My Heart Around, I don't remember any accordion on the Stevie Nicks song. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so there were some liberties taken, you know, over the years. Uh, but not, uh, you know, we got to a point later where where the idea was that we would do the song exactly as it was on the, you know, on the, the original artist's version. And and that's that was our starting point. And sometimes that's as far as we got. It's like, yeah, we're doing that arrangement with that, you know, in that key. Uh, with those parts, and and that's it. That's just what it's going to be. Same intro, same ending. That's what the song is. So that's what you guys need to do. And I think I don't remember if Blurred Lines was that way. I think Tacky was that way. Was exactly, you know, like the Pharrell version. Mm -hmm. So there there were some of those. So not not a whole lot of liberties, but you know, some songs are are really long, and and need to be cut back. I mean, uh, you know, American Pie was a much longer song than the saga begins. Right. So Al Al yeah. gets in, you know, three verses. And, you know, American Pie has like five verses, you know, and it's quite a bit longer. And I don't think it's because Al ran out of lyrics. I think it's because, you know, if you want something radio friendly, uh, you know, it needs to be around three and a half, four, maybe five minutes. It can't be like six and a half minutes, you know, like it was back, you know, those kind of stuff back in the 70s, you know. I mean, imagine when Hey Jude came out at seven minutes and 11 seconds. I remember that very well. <laughs> you know, that came out in 1968. I That was... That was incredible. That took the place of like two other songs, you know, in, in, in radio time, you know, but that was, that was the beginning of, you know, long songs, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, imagine someone playing Jethro Tull's Thick as a Brick, you know, that'd be like a, a 21 minute, you know, song <laughs> just to play side one, right. you know, and there were, and some of the progressive stations in LA did that, you know, they, and the, the you know, I'm sure the, the disc jockey would go off and, you know, have a smoke or a cup of coffee or go to the bathroom, whatever, you know, knowing that he didn't have to be back for 18, 19, 20 yeah. minutes. You know, that, that, that happened without, with concept albums like that, you know, they would just run them and, you know, it'd be a 30 minute block of music, you know, before you heard anyone's voice again. Well, it's always a treat for Dave and I, and of course our listeners, when you peel back the, the layers of the archive and you bring us these amazing clips like you've brought us today. So I just want to give a heartfelt thank you for, for sharing these really cool clips with us. Thank you so much for joining us, Bermuda. You are very welcome. Thank you. Huge thank you to John Bermuda Schwartz for joining us last week, this week, all the other times he's been on, sharing all those amazing clips. And if you love those amazing rare clips, be sure to check out episode 27-inch, the first time we had him on, sharing rare clips. Yes, this is another one for the record books. 
Now, in the interview, Bermuda mentions that there were four variations of the Sundance TV jingle. Channels 126, 557, 735, and 1798. Now, upon further research, we discovered that there are actually four more versions of the Sundance Channel commercial song, including 159, 165, 192, and 505. We asked Bermuda about them off the air, and he speculated that Al must have done the shouting himself, as he, Jim, and Steve did not record those numbers. Well, glad we could close the book on that chapter. Last week, we teased that we have exciting Bermuda-related news to share, and we are so excited to finally let the cat out of the book bag. On the heels of his brand new book, Black and White and Weird All Over, we sat down with Bermuda for an in-depth, and we mean in-depth, discussion of the book. Now, in these discussions, we literally go page by page, picture by picture, and read between the lines as Bermuda shares some great insights about each picture and behind-the-scenes stories, and he answers our questions— You are going to love this. Our intern Frank is busy working on these recordings. Our plan is to start releasing these chapter-by-chapter conversations as a series of bonus episodes starting next year. The idea behind these bonus episodes is that you can sit down with your copy of Black and White and Weird All Over and follow along with us as Bermuda shares stories, we ask questions. And we'll even tell you when to turn the page. So if you haven't picked up the brand new book, Black and White and Weird All Over yet, do so right now at blackandwhiteandweird.com or put it on your holiday wish list. You're definitely going to want to have a couple copies on hand by the time these episodes start dropping. While we expect the bonus episodes to start dropping in the new year, in keeping with tradition, our Patreon supporters will get to hear the episodes first. If you know you just can't wait... Be sure to sign up now and join our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family over at patreon.com slash 2000inch. And as always, brand new Inch episodes come out every Wednesday, but bonus episodes, like our upcoming series with Bermuda about his book, can drop at any time. If for some ungoshly reason you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe right now so you don't miss it. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also cold and meaty. This week, we are featuring Darwin Freezer Services. Rose Point Kennel says, Darwin Freezer does a great job processing our meat. And Brooklyn P says, love it there. Thanks, Dad, for the good meat every night. Wait, what? According to the Better Business Bureau, Darwin Freezer Services is not Better Business Bureau accredited, despite having an A-plus rating. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we are able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Brito Brito, Angel Valenzuela, and his son, David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and all of our amazing Patreon supporters like Stan, Jared, and so many more. Revenue from our incredible supporters on Patreon.com slash 2000inch is how we can afford to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, funny, and family-friendly Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. We'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. If we know anything here at Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast, it's that Christmas and the holiday season is just around the corner. So this year, get all of your holiday shopping done early by purchasing official Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast merchandise for everyone on your shopping list from the official Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast merchandise shop. Head on over to shop.2000inch.com for official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast t-shirts, official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast tote bags, 
official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast mugs, and official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast face masks, and more great items from the official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast merchandise shop. Find us online at weirdoutpodcast.com or 2000inch.com and join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content. Don't forget to tag fun Weird Al or podcast-related posts on social media using hashtag 2000inch and hashtag Gill and Chill. And be sure to follow at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to also head over to youtube.2000inch.com to watch our podcast with your ears. Make sure to share our posts and tell your friends about the podcast. And we love it when you leave us voicemail on our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message on the air. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. You already know where to find us, but do yourself a favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or the podcast app of your choice and hit the subscribe button to ensure that you don't miss new episodes. New episodes drop every Wednesday and bonus episodes may drop at any time. Thanks again to this week and last week's guests, John Bermuda Schwartz. Thanks to John Caffiero and Dr. Demento. Thanks to Spatula City Records, and thanks to all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone who made this episode and podcast possible. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 83-inch, Chilliwax number one Weird Al Podcast. you again for having me i think i think there might be some more clips in the archive oh really yeah i might have to dig those out too wow yeah i think you should well well <laughs> then i will <laughs>